Yo, yo, what's good, Supernovas, and welcome back to the Worst Generation Podcast. I'm your host, GB, and it's been a long time since I've had an opportunity to say that. Uh, we are back with another episode. If you are watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Um, be prepared for more episodes. If you are listening to us on your favorite podcast audio app, please follow us. Um, today, we're going to be speaking about kingdom, life, and I guess just other general topics that we have on our mind. Um, this won't be like episodes of the past where you come in with like a super, super deep dive discussion. We're going to let this one flow. Um, it is based on the manga kingdom that I have just started reading. Anyone that's been lis- listening to the pod, you guys know that Leek has been into this manga for quite some time. He's been pushing the kingdom gospel and uh, making the agenda something great. So I'm finally on board. We're going to talk about my first thoughts, my impressions, um, and get into it. Anyone is Kingdom fans already, I assure you, you will probably like this episode. Um, I think that this won't be really good because Kingdom touches on um, a lot, um, especially with the concept of what type of general you are, which I'm also taking as what type of person you are, and in my case, what type of man am I. Um, so I can't wait to dive into that conversation with Leek and discuss that. Um Without further ado, since it's just me and Leek on the episode right now, I will introduce to y'all the first mate of Worst Generation Podcast, uh, Mr. Twitter Fingers. We got Leek in the building. Yo, yo, what up? It's been a long time since we recorded. Definitely been wanting to record this topic. Uh, as y'all know, I am a huge Kingdom fan, so the fact that we finally here talking about it, I am ready. I've been waiting for a long time, so let's get to it. I'm ready, ready, bro. Um... I feel like we could just get straight into it. So, Kingdom has definitely been an interesting start of a story. Uh, instantly, if, if I had to get my, my first three impressions, like first three things that really stuck out to me, um, I liked Shin from the start, um, but I like the king more. I feel like the king is more my type of a character. Uh, and I'm I'm finna butcher everyone's pronunciation of their name. So I'm gonna try to give like titles and descriptions with the name. I'm gonna butcher all this shit throughout the episode, probably. But um, I feel like the king, uh, I'm calling him Say in my in my head when I read the manga. I feel like yeah. he's more my type and uh of a character. I like that he's strategic, I like that. He has a little bit of strength and like assertiveness and passion about himself, but mostly like he's like a long-term thinker and he has a greater, like a grand vision and he, and he wants to see like good in people that can help move that. So the King is instantly one of my top characters so far, but Shan ain't no slouch. I also fuck with him. Um, the second thing that I'm really, really liking so far is, um, and a lot of, a lot of manga, a lot of stories do this in general. Like, uh, they define the path of different characters and that will, that's what makes a great story. But I love how kingdom is touching on it, uh, from the art of war standpoint. So what makes you like a great warrior? Is it passion? Is it strategy? Is it understanding, uh, war and knowing battle tactics? Is it, um, just being from the roots and being an absolute animal and having like no empathy and no care. And so I like those things that are interplaying throughout. I think that war is a great landscape for all this to happen on because like what other way to talk about the ups and downs of human nature than like war and the battle for like resources and land and territory which is like man's struggle and then uh i would say the third thing that really stands out to me um how do i say this um i like the and i 
I like the 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 strategic aspect of what I get from the story. So um I, I love like history. And I don't know if this is like an accurate historical portrayal, but I, I do like that they talk about like different war formations and I get to sit here and think from like a kind of like I'm playing chess. Like if he's gonna move his his vanguard in that way and the cavalry's coming, then this is the move I want to make. So I, I enjoy following along for that reasons too. And those are like the top three reasons I'm like a kingdom so far. When I suggested it to you, I knew for a fact just the strategical aspect of like the art of war was going to be something you really was going to mess with. And the fact that this is based off historical events, this is based off people that really existed. So I think the names are slightly different, but you'll also see at different times the narrator will like cite historical text, like the the whatever, whatever documents describes this war as da 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 da. And, or the lines from the historical document says da 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 da. So like it gives you the context of like this really happened. This is not made up. This is based off historical figures. So for instance, the king that we see, Ace King Ace, I think is a 31st king of Quinn. Real person. If you look at um what is it? Um Record of Ragnarok. If you read the Record of Ragnarok, he actually is in Record of Ragnarok, the exact character, the exact same person. So this is based off of real people. These are based off of real military formations. And like something you touched on earlier about like the types of journeys that people have. Like there's a lot of people that fight in war, but war in many ways defines you and it defines your path. So if you go into the war for revenge, that's going to lead you down a certain path. If you go into a war because you have a goal, like a military goal, that's going to lead you down a certain path. If all you know is war and all you know is to clash, or if you want to test your own might, that's going to lead you down a certain path. So all these different reasons for war matter a lot and they all come up throughout the story so it's gonna be interesting to see like your reaction to these different characters because like it ranges from revenge and oh i just want to test my strength i'm the strongest i want to be the strongest to no this is my childhood dream to be a great general of the heavens or no i believe that we should conquer everyone we should unite all of china like there are these different goals that take place throughout this story and you're going to learn very fast that it's not simply a right and wrong thing going on here. It's very much a matter of perspective. Um, I think that's one of the best things about Kingdom. And in my opinion, that's why it has one of the best, the best antagonist in all of fiction that I've ever read in Kingdom. The best antagonist? Yes. Have I Absolutely. been introduced to the, to the main antagonist yet? No, you have not. Okay, okay. Cause I'm like, who like like people just diet everywhere. Like, who's gonna be? Cause cause what? What two things? First, I'll go back before I progress with the antagonist part. Um, I think that war is a good is a good landscape to have like the greater conversation of life. That you never know someone's background or their journey or their path or like what led them to the room that you're in. You just know that you're in the same room with that person. And mm. so it's cool watching like Chen as he's leading up um, you know, to some of these events. And it's all these, it's all these different men that have like uh made it in some cases, even women that have made it into the room with him, so to speak. Um, but they've all taken different paths. Some of them have been forced here because like this is all they know, and like war is just what their family does, and they don't necessarily want to be here, but they're just here. Some people need the money. Some people want the glory. Some people think 
that they about that life and they may find out in war that they're not actually about that life. And so um, you have all these different people in the room and it's funny seeing the different perspectives because as human beings, we tend to like, many of us tend to center ourselves and think that the same reasons and morals and ethics and code that I live by that got me to this room um, should mean that everyone else that's in this space lives by those same morals, ethics, codes, and reasons. Or if they don't, then they're like a less than person. But Kingdom is doing a really good job of showing like it's hella different ways to skin a cat. And it's hella different ways to get into this room, to get into this war. And there's not necessarily a best way. Like there's not necessarily a best path. Like you could be here as the scared coward and awaken tomorrow and find out that you really was him this whole time. Or you could like be in a situation where you thought you was him and then you got in war and found out that you weren't. And then there are some people that are like super strategic or some people that just have like a sense for war or some people that, that they don't know strategy and they don't know, um, they don't have instincts about it. But if you tell them what needs to happen, they know how to get shit done. Like they understand tactics and battle tactics. So I, I like, I think that's cool. They're exploring that really early on because it's, it's making it so you don't count anybody out. Like you never know what's going to happen or who's going to be a threat. That is definitely something that is, that goes on the entire story. There are several characters that you will think that, go ask your sissy. There are several characters that you're going to think are just there that are just not even necessarily spectators, but they're there. They contribute in minuscule ways. And then later down the line in the story, they get called upon and they have a moment. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it happens a lot in the story where you think that, oh, this person is just, quote unquote, along there for the ride. They were there and they've survived all these battles and that's why they have this position in the army. And then you find out like, no, there's a reason why this person has made it this far. Like war, especially in this story, to a lot of different characters, makes them into something greater than what they are. And a lot of times they don't know it until they have to be that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Kingdom. I think that's dope as hell. Um, so, what's the first thing you got questions about? I'm on chapter 82. Like, oh. I'm, I'm in this shit. I'm committed. <laughs> so, I'm committed. I want to know what was your first, um, I guess, thoughts on how the story started? Because the story starts at a very high point from the jump. Like you think it's going to be some buildup, and then by the end of the first chapter, somebody's dead, and it's like, hold on, what, 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 what the hell is going on? So, what was your thoughts in that first chapter? Uh, so in the first chapter, very quickly, I was uh, like, the tone of the story is set from chapter one. Like you, you think it's going to be one thing. You got these um, and spoilers for anyone if you have not started Kingdom yet. Um, and you haven't read it, we're going to be talking about, like, anything can come up from the first 80 chapters here. So I would suggest if you, like, against spoilers or anything, uh, do not listen beyond this point. With that being said, uh, yeah, man, like, the, the tone was set very early. Like, you have these brothers, and you think this is going to be a story of, like, one brother the chasing up. the, the come-up and one brother chasing the other and, like, even though this brother's getting to go to the palace early, like I will see you there. And and like I should have knew, I should have knew something was the fuck up. Like at that point, like I knew tragedy tragedy was on the horizon, but I ain't know that we was at the horizon already. So like finding out that the brother had 
you know, been murdered, assassinated already. He's crawling back to the door. Like, all he's got is the sword left to his name. Um, he's supposed to be him. And you just like, damn, bro. Like, they off this nigga that quick. Like, he's the it first It makes you two wonder, like, where the story is going. Yeah, like, these are the first two chapters, bro. And so, I love it when... Whenever a story can make me think that this guy might not be the main character. Like, there might be another main character I'm finna meet. Like, down the line. Whenever a story can make me feel that, then I feel like it's finna be a decent story to me. Because then, when the brother goes off and the brother gets, like, off, I'm like, oh, this shit different, bro. Like, Shin definitely can't live out here in the world because he gonna get off, too. Like, the brother was got more wins than him. Sure, two of them wins, because all are a fluke so far. But the brother got more wins than him, and, like, he better. How much How much more could Shen do in the world? Like, who could he really be? So, in my mind, I'm like, maybe we're going to meet the actual MC, and it's not the MC MC. It's just the nigga, like, this is the prelude that we're getting right now. Um, But the tone was set very early on. Like, it became this tone of don't take anything for granted, and, like, this shit is, like, real life right now. Like, this is war. And anything can happen, and no matter how good you are or how much you prepare or how grand your vision may be and what you think your destiny is, like, that shit can change. Instant, it could all be over. It definitely the first time I read it, I was wondering what the fuck was going on because I definitely thought it was going to be that kind of typical Asta, you know, type relationship where one of them is kind of gifted and he gets in this super advantageous position, and the other one's going to have to crawl and grind his way up to the top. And it quickly subverts that expectation from the jump. So after that happens, um. Well, they're basically running away. Um, dude gets his throne essentially taken by his younger brother. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's running away. They end up running into 10. And so they escape to the mountains. So when they meet the, what was your impression of the mountain people? Uh, before we get to the mountain people, my impression, the earlier impression I had before they got to the mountain people, because I, I took some screenshots of shit that stood out to me. So okay. the earlier impression I had before the mountain people was uh was uh Say's brother, the the bratty ass kid and the other retainer. And I was like, yo, this mm. nigga suck. Like he was <laughs> he was going he was going in on the king for like having a mom that was like a palace dancer and shit like that, and saying he was less than and like how that doesn't make him royal. But I'm sitting there like, yo, your pops was blowing in that first, bro. Like <laughs> Like that's your dance. Like I just like when we when I look at old stories and I read shit and we talk about like being pureborn or like royalty and all that mm-hmm. and, and like the reasoning is never really there. Like you're mad at him for being born into a situation that he couldn't control or couldn't define, and you're saying like he's less than because his mom was a palace dancer, but his dad is also your dad. And mm-hmm. so like both of y'all came from the same dad, and you came second down the line, bro. So he blew in a palace dancer and then blew in your mom after that, and that make you better. Like the palace dancer came first. And then and then still, the palace dancer is the one living in the castle. Like your mom is living in the outskirts, bro. She's in the harem still. Like, so his his reasoning kind of took me away. Um, he's one of those characters like a like a Joffrey from Game of Thrones, or um, I don't know. Who else would you put, I guess, in that category? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say Gabby from Attack on Titan because I actually fuck with her. But I guess a jockey from a Game of Thrones where you're like, yeah, I hope that ending comes swift and I hope that ending is like 
painful and gruesome for this person. Like, I, I don't want them to have, like, a happy ending. Was my initial feelings of him. I didn't like his rants. I didn't like how he talked down to people. Um, and I felt like because of the tone of the story set, I felt like they might drag out his reign and, like, really make that work for him. So he was the first, like, major impression I took from the story and the first hint of kind of what was to come. Like, when they compared the state of the king he was and who he planned to be and the state of the king that um, Say was, they kind of, like, put those against each other. And then they also start showing the politics and, like, the different tactics they got used in politics from, like, the retainers and the men underneath them, uh, ugly folks with the tore up ass face that had all the bad baddies hanging around him in the hot tub. And then the other honorable dude that would say, like they talked about their different styles of politics and shit. So it was, it's pretty clear. Like it set that tone for me early on that they're going to be in like polar opposites of each other. And that's going to exist in every position throughout the story. So I guess setting up for like, as we get later on in war, it's going to be interesting to see as you continue through the story, how your perception and how your opinions of these different characters change. Because where we're at now, like you've already finished the point where that kind of that initial rebellion has concluded, correct? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see because all of these characters, I, you gotta keep in mind that all these characters, like especially the King and his brother, they're both teenagers right now. So, yeah. um, uh, obviously, like when it comes to secession and dynasties and stuff like that, a lot of times, a lot of young people end up becoming that. It wasn't. It's not just in Chinese uh, history, like Egyptian history Everything. as well. It's yeah. everywhere. Like you can become king at 10, 11, 12. It doesn't even matter it's, if somebody and you dies, don't know shit. And you and literally because you are in a certain position, you could be the king and be the weakest person in the capital, which is a crazy idea that people are going to have to get in this story because yes. we quickly we quickly see that just because you know you have the throne the people around you a lot of them have more power than you a lot of them have more influence than you a lot of them have a bigger bag than you or as big as bag as you and they can kind of maneuver things the way they want so the political aspect of the story is evident throughout the entire story so that's another aspect that I feel like lacks in a lot of other stories. Cause you, you also, of course you have the, the conquest side of the story where, okay, we want to unite all of China, but there's also, okay, just cause you sit on the throne doesn't mean it's all peaches and cream. You can just start sending people to war. Like mm -hmm. you literally might have the throne, but until you come of age before you actually, before there's actually a ceremony, where you actually come of age and are acknowledged by not only the entire kingdom but the entire of the entirety of China, like all of the warring states, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are the, especially if people don't follow you. That's the one of the biggest things is people's choice of who they want to follow. Everybody has their motivations. Certain people can be bought. Certain people can't be bought. And we learned that from a lot of different characters early on that. I will not serve a king that I do not feel like is worthy of the throne. Yeah. And 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 one, okay, one, that does make me excited because uh, you know, anyone that knows and they listen to me talk, I'm all about 
growth, like personal growth, development. Like I'm continuously improving in my personal life. And I love that in a character. I am 100% for the redemption arc. If you want to give me a redemption arc, I'm going to read through that shit. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. I'm going to be like, oh, this character was a dumbass when he's 12. But after the time skip, he got his life together. Like he didn't change. Like I'm here for that shit. So like bring me a good redemption arc. Bring me a glow up. I'm with that. So I would love to see opportunities for characters that I don't fuck with right now to kind of learn more of the world or experience something else out there in the world from from war or whatever else they encounter, the politics, having to lie in that that den of wolves in the castle. Because like early on, we see that that shit is not all milk and honey. Like you got enemies on all sides. You surround it every fucking day. Like you're at war. Even excuse me, you're at war even when you're at peace in the castle. Like, just sitting there and you got retainers and, and, and servants and all chancellors these and chancellors the, that the all different members the of the state, like, yeah. yeah it's, it's all around you trying to, like, off you and shit. So, like, I love that. And then the other thing, tangent with me real quick. So we're talking about these young rulers. What would you rather have? Like, would you rather have like what we have now in the in the U.S. where we got a president that's eighty one and just old and out of touch, or would you rather have a young leader that's twelve and ain't really done shit in their life or seen shit? That's tough. Um, what, what type of what type of general do you want, nigga? It it depends. For for me personally, I'd rather lean towards the younger person. And my reason for that, like, and especially in a sense of like, say, is because a younger person has all the potential in the world to grow into somebody that can be for everybody. Whereas the older guard, what do you want to call them? Boomers, just the old heads. Once you get past a certain point, you will be out of touch with everybody in the kingdom, in the country or whatever. It's, it's just bound to happen. You and in order, and the only way to not have that happen is to keep young people around you and keep you informed with the times. So, you look at a situation like the United States right now, you have an entire class or entire age bracket of people making all the decisions, and a lot of those decisions don't even affect them. So, they're literally putting all the they're putting 70% of the population. In a, in a situation where they cannot do certain things, it's, it's not allowed for them to be certain things, and none of these things affect them. You can like you can spend whether it be abortion, whether it be different voting rights, whether it be any number of things. These things don't affect a certain group of people like they affect the younger generation. So you're out of touch. Whereas with a younger person, yes, they they have a lot of opportunities to fuck up, but in that same in that same voice. They have a lot of opportunities to make things right, the correct things. They actually they have a pulse. They have their finger on the pulse of the, of the country. They have a finger on the pulse of the majority of the people living amongst them. There's more younger people in the country than older people. These are the people that are going to shape the future. The, the current has already been shaped. The only thing people, the older people are doing is making it better for them. And that doesn't really affect the younger people in a positive light. So in this situation, like say you have a young king with the look in his eyes I want to unite all of China. This is not some childish dream. This is not me just saying something. And I have the will to back it up. I know that in order for me to get to this point, I'm going to have to carve a path of blood. I know that. And I'm willing to do that to unite everybody. Whether that makes me the villain to some people or the hero to another, I'm willing to do that to unite everybody. And it's going to get to the point in the story where these beliefs are going to be questioned. His 
how he means how he means to unite the whole the, all the time of China is going to be questioned. And he's going to provide he has to provide you with an acceptable answer. Otherwise, I will destroy you. I will do everything it takes to destroy you if you do not have, give me a suitable answer. This not only comes from different people in his own kingdom, but this comes from outside of his kingdom too. people that he would deem his own enemies. I want to hear I want to hear from the king's mouth how he means to unite this kingdom. And if you do not provide me with a suitable answer that makes sense, that does not sound like the ramblings of a child, I will fight until the very last person of my country to stop you. That is something that's going to take. That's something that's going to be present throughout the entire story. I agree with you. Um, I, I quite simply put, I believe that children are the future. So I rather have a young person that's pushing towards the future and causes problems with just intent for us to grow and do better than what we did in the past, then have an old person who's afraid of future and trying to keep the status quo and destroys us um, just because they didn't want to step towards the future. Like, I just, I'd rather have the youth in that position. And I also think I'd rather have a person on their way to their prime than a person who's past their prime. Because I know, like, we'll never get your prime back from one person. Like, we're never going to have you at your best. And why would I want you then? Whereas this other person, like, you may not be at your best yet, but you still have an opportunity to be your best. And I'm, I'm about having opportunities. So I would definitely take the younger leader. Um, and I think there's pros and cons to both. Like, but I think the younger leader is just the easier, or not the easier, it's just the better choice, in my opinion. The future um, is brighter with the younger person, I feel. The future is much brighter because... Because they're going to see the world for what it is right now. Like They won't have the shades of this is what we did and this works because as we go through life and as time passes, new problems work. I mean, new problems arise and you need new solutions. Like You can't look at new problems with the same solutions that you saw them with for the 80s. And you also can't look at new problems with, and 80s is just some, the mass number I pulled out. It could be the 70s, 60s, fucking around with Biden. That's just the 40s. Uh, but and not just that um, new problems need new solutions. Sometimes solutions were before their time. And like what I find out working in strategy and tactics like at work, in my day job, is that uh, a common thing that discourage people is that, oh, we tried this in the past and it didn't work. And sometimes like it just wasn't time for that yet. Like sometimes you were a visionary and maybe in your prime, like you were ahead of your time and you came up with something that would be a viable solution but you were 20 years too early. And that's not to say like, we can't make it work now. So I just rather have a person who's still open to being molded, who hasn't decided that the way the world is what it is. Um, and that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and do shit. And you get that from the youth. You don't really get that from old people. So uh, I'm definitely going with the younger leader before I go with the older leader, even if they is 12. I'm just praying they make it to puberty and they... <laughs> A fucking political counselor, vice chancellor doesn't off them and shit for power. That and they have to find somebody that can actually trust in that has their best interest and that wants to see them be what they possibly can be and doesn't want to use them as a puppet or doesn't want to. I'm going to have them here in place where I can secretly move all these things in the background and amass my own power. Because that's one of the things that um, you run into a lot of times when you have these dynasty like civilizations where you have young rulers you have 
people that will say that they're trying to advise you and secretly, okay, I'm, I'm taking money out of here. I'm building my connections here. I secretly am the person that's running everything. So once I get my ducks in a row, we can just get rid of the king and I'm just going to sit on the throne myself. Yeah. And I think... So I, that's why I like uh, what's his name? Show Shobun Kun, Shobun. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't even tell you how to pronounce dude's name, but I know exactly what he's talking about. That's he's a dude that basically has been there since day one. That's been like been been looking out for say. Yeah, been takes, looking out. He, ta- he takes care of his ass. That's why I fuck with him, bro. Like he's got well, and this may change, but right now it seems like he has <laughs> real good intentions for him, and he looks out for say and. You know, has the best interest of the country and the say's vision for United China at heart. And so, like, I appreciate him for that. And it doesn't seem like he wants power or glory beyond what he has. Like, it seems like he's found his place and he knows, like, this is where I belong. And that's his thing. And he's from an era where, like, he has connections and he has influential power. Um, and I think that it's good to have someone like that on your side because he's using his influence for the good to help say, whereas other people are using their influence to like support themselves and raise themselves. And that shit is causing them mad issues. Um, cause it's just constant infighting on that side of things. For sure. Um, next moment. So earlier, um, now we done with that tangent. You asked me about the mountain people. Yes. I fucked with the mountain people. The mountain people is tough. I fucked with the mountain people, bro. The mountain people are some fucking gangsters. So, when they... I respect that they respect Shin just, like, standing on business and fucking, like, firing off that nigga, like, knocking him out. Like, that's when I knew, like, I'm gonna mess with them because they straight shooters. And it, it feels like their only politic is strength. Like, Essentially, with, yes. Yes, it feels like the only political thing with them is strength. Like, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's a need for money or resources because it feels like they've all been pushed on the outskirts. So they have unlimited resources in the mountains and in the woods and the forest where the common civilized man won't come. So I don't think they really have a need for that. Um, I think they only need someone to be the strongest. And I think a very few of them recognize the need for them to be united against the cause. Um, but that only seems like a few of them get that concept and most of them just respect the strength of things. Like, if I am to follow you, if I am to be a lot allied with you, I need to know that you can watch my front and my back wherever you are and you must be strong. And so I knew I fucked with them from the start. Um, what was your impressions of uh, Yotan Wa? I knew it was a woman. You knew? You could tell it was a woman? Something just... Okay, so the first panel where they show her, um, she's she's very lavish and just her her fit. I was like, yo, this nigga lavish as hell, bro. There's no way this is a nigga. Like, it's like just everything the mountain people would gave, they were very, very open and just so I figured at best, like the, the king may have like a loincloth, maybe mask to the side, maybe like some jewelry or something, but chest, muscles, all that shit had to be out because like that's what all of them are giving. Like, that's what they've mm-hmm. all been on since the start. So when I saw this person that was covered up and, like, still very lavish, and then, like, the gloves was really set it off because everything just looked – it looked 
feminine but war. It looked how women should look in video games instead of wearing like chainmail panties and a bra. Mm. Like it looked like she was dressed like she was actually may have to go to war, but feminine. Um, and so instantly I was like, yo, that's a woman, bro. They got a woman leader. Um, and so I thought now I will say I was surprised about how the story went. So what I thought was gonna happen, the the what I'm used to seeing in, in male writing is that she was gonna be like of the weaker clans and um he was basically gonna be like, I need an ally, it's gonna be like, Oh yeah, we can ally with you because you know. I want to be together with people and we're weak anyway. Like we need these allies, but I was surprised and very, very glad that the take is this motherfucker strong as hell and she'll beat the shit out of anybody, anybody. It don't matter. She the greatest. She like the Gojo of the mountain people. And I fuck with that. Yep. So I, I actually really love her character. Um, I love how calm she is under fire. I love that they found ways to express her strength without giving her on-screen panels and showing her strength. Um, they've done that through comparison. They've done that. They've shown her ability to lead and like to tell her squad to like, yo, stand down. If the king cannot do this, then this is not a king you want to ally with. Like she's been able to test yeah, other. The first people. person that should draw blood in this war is should the, be king, the king. Bro. I'm like, yo, like that's that's real shit. Like. So it shows like her intelligence. It shows that she understands war and she has tactics. It shows that she can strategize and think forward. It shows that she has command and respect of her people. And then when they had to show brute strength, they showed her brute strength. When it was like, all right, we need to, everybody to kill 10 people. They're like, no problem. And then like the numbers, the numbers get even bigger. And they're like, okay, no problem. So, we need to so, do 30. So, yeah, 30. We need to do 30. So fuck it. <laughs> and I'm like, let's go, bro. <laughs> yep. So, so I, I really, really like her character. It's interesting because when they first showed her, it was like, okay, so like you said, I expected her, okay, she's a leader of this tribe. And they're like, no, she's the first leader of the mountain tribes to ever unite the tribes of the mountains. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And so then they start showing like her people's reverence for her. Because there's one thing, oh, like, because obviously, you know, she had to go to these different tribes and for lack of a better word, conquer them. And, you know, they show, like, her goal is to unite her people, but there also is her goal, because she, she became the leader as a child. I think they showed in that panel. She was very young when she became the leader. They she showed, was like 12. She was like Say's yeah. age. They put it in context of, like, we're looking at the task that Say is taking. Like, that's so correct, nigga. Because they put it in context, like, we're looking at the task that Say is taking on, and we're saying, like, people are saying, like, this is un unimaginable, but then, like, you have this this king, this queen, with, well, I don't even know what title, because she goes by the king of the mountain people, so I don't I, I don't know if it's disrespectful to call her queen. I'm just going to go by king. Um, you have this other king of the mountain people that's already done for her people what Say is trying to do for his people, and then the unification of them will make it, but you can see her development and how complete she is. And like now, the imagination, the true path that you're seeing is like say could also be her. Yep, literally the parallels. And then she has she expresses somewhat the same exact dream of his of yes, I want to not, but also you know instead of getting revenge against the plains folk, like wouldn't it be better to like live peacefully? Like we don't have to be at war. And even when say is making his plea to her, when he's saying like you know. 
basically because of your ancestors, we should take your head off right now. And he's like, I mean, you could, but what good would it do? Like, how about instead, you know, we work to a different goal. Like my goal is to unite all of China and let's restore these bonds that our ancestors once had. And it's like, oh, she, oh so she, she's questioning him. She's testing his, his resolve because he's standing basically in the, in the lion's den. All his people was captured. The only reason they're not dead is because they want to hear what you have to say first. And if it's something I don't like, all of you will die right now. So you're like, okay, you know, we're going, you know, we'll we'll join you. And so then, you know, they they finally make their way back. It's like, okay, well, we figure we get stuck here. We pick out the best people you have, and we'll go inside. Ain't no fear. Like, nah, we good. And then, so now we get to the point to where they're in the middle of the court. I guess you call it a courtyard. In between the gates, I think it's like the, the turtle gate or some shit like that. And so, like you said, she's like, they they get ready to fight. And they're like, no, the first person that should start to draw blood in this war should be the king. And right on cue, no questions asked, he slapped, he put somebody down. Gave that nigga no, up? No questions asked. Because he, he knows, like, I brought y'all here. This is my, this, technically, this is my war. I brought y'all outsiders to my war. And should we win this war, then we'll be united. But I can't be in the middle of this and not get my hands dirty. It's not have that type ever, of party. Have you ever swung a sword? Have you ever like swung a sword against like a side of meat? I have not. I know swords are heavy as fuck, though. Bro, swords are heavy as fuck. And swinging them against meat, like you gotta swing, like you gotta cleave a nigga to like cut through the way these niggas be cutting through them. They be they be putting people in half, bro. Like I'm thinking about um um fam fam with the with the big with the big sweet lips. Talking about Oki uh, o- Oki, bro. When he he's cutting through men from the waist up, like vertic- like diagonally through the entire trunk, bro. Like you know how strong you gotta be to take a sword through a man's flesh like that. These niggas and- are swole. And, and, so not, to see, and it's not getting stuck in you. He's going clean through you. He's going clean through you. And so going back to say this 12-year-old kid, I, I a little of this is me suspending belief too. Cause like I, I know it's historical, but I, I know there has to be like some exaggeration, some some what do you call it? Yeah, hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole. Um, I know it's got to be some hyperbole in this, but like to see him cut through this man as well, I was like. Bro, it's no 12-year-old that's strong enough to like just cut through a full-grown man like that with this blade, bro. How sharp is the blade? And what is your angle like? Um, but then fast forward, they do the whole speech with Shin that the blade is an extension of you. And like if you can't cut through um, what's his name? Rigo? Uh, buddy that was in a tunnel. The gorilla. No, the gorilla. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once they when they already passed that. Yeah, when, uh, he was trying to figure out like how I need to I need more weight or whatever. He's like, no, the sword is the pinnacle of weapon, uh, the pinnacle of the weapon as it yes, is right bro. now. It's perfect. There's nothing else you need. If you can't cut through him, that means you are the one that's lacking. You fucked up, bro. And so like he gets to looking at the blade and the tip, like all right. And so he gives him he he gives him the uh the tip, bro, straight through the head. And I'm like, fuck, oh, bro. Okay. So I just. Is it the blade? Is it the part like I'm just I, part of this is me suspending belief because I'm just like, it's no way this 12 year old is this crazy with the sword and just one handed is like chopping through someone just perfectly in this way. But like, still, cold ass panel, very cold ass panel. Yeah, he read, he 
Like he he basically told him, just buy me a few seconds. And then the homie from the Mountain Tribe, they like, wait, a few seconds? Are you serious? And then they just looked to the side, and the other homie already grabbed dude's leg. He was like, nah, I'm betting it on the kid. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's bet on the kid. So then he runs up the pillar. Some of the, some of the panels in, in Kingdom are absolutely insane. So he runs up the pillar, basically puts everything into the point of his sword, and cuts him down. This and I wanted to... My camera finna blow it out, uh, blur it out, but he didn't put it through his head. He put it, he put it straight through his through his shoulder, through his heart. Yeah, and it came out. It came out the front, I think, right? Came out the yeah, it came out the front, bro. And he basically told him like, "This man don't want to fight no more, bro. Go to sleep." <laughs> exactly, like go to sleep, bro. And then, so I think uh, I think another part of that actual fight was what he was saying to Sai, his brother. Like, look around you. Nobody in here will fight for you. Nobody in here will die for you. That You're not the type of person that needs to sit on the throne. Why did that, why did that stick out so much to you? It stuck out to me because it kind of actually reminds me a little bit of Naruto when Itachi was talking to Naruto. Like, you can't become Hokage and then get people to acknowledge you. You have to get people to acknowledge you, and that's how you become Hokage. Um... You cannot sit on a throne like as a is a king worth is a um <clears throat> is it the king or the kingdom essentially? Or does a king make a kingdom or is a kingdom make a king? Are you the sum are you the sum of your kingdom or is the kingdom a kingdom because just because you sit on the throne? So in that aspect, it's like, yeah, just because you have the bloodline, just because you're a prince, that doesn't mean people will follow you. Like, even if you look like dude on the side was really the one that had power. He just, you know, I just want to sit on the throne and you can do whatever you want with the kingdom. I don't care about these people. Are you truly a king? You look around when shit hits the fan. Everybody's leaving you, running away. Nobody's there willing to fight for you. Nobody's there willing to die for you. And at the same aspect, when we fast forward a little bit, when he gets outside and say is like all the blood that you've shed because of this. It's fitting. You're gonna shed some blood too, and he beats the shit out of him. Like he, he literally, the fuck out of him, he what he beats the shit out of him. He wails on him until he's beaten into a pulp. <laughs> like all this blood that you shed, you should be willing to shed some blood too. He beat him so bad. I'm like, oh, he's probably dead. Like this, that type of story. He probably beat him to death. Oh, he beat that man. I got that picture saved too. At, this is after he stabbed him in his arm or his hand. Yeah, you see this, the blade through his arm and shit? Mm-hmm. He beat that man down, bro. And I like how, how the crown, so like I like the picture of... Um, that, was, that was the reason I saved this picture, right? So... the He still has the crown, and the crown is laying next to his head, like... The, the crown has been knocked off his head. He's been pierced through the arm, kind of like um, I looked at that kind of like crucifixion, uh, mm. like like crucifying the end of his reign and the end of that type of king. And I just like this photo has like um, has has say is standing over him. It's like the um, what I'll say. It's like the new reign is approaching, and this makes it final. Like this is him snuffing out or washing away any of the would-be contenders that would be in his way for the time being. And this is like the debut of something new and something different. And the old way we looked at kingdom um, and not a kingdom, but kingdom. Um, 
is dead at this point. And that's how I took that photo. And that's why I saved that one. Because I was like, all right, this shit going to come back to be something to me. Like, it's like the erasure of the old ways. It's definitely a transition period. Um, which in this, either that chapter or the chapter before, it should also give you your introduction to Oki. Yep. That one I saved um, when Say stared Oki down and told him, uh, if you ever wish to fight alongside me, you must accept the death of King Show and set foot on the ground once more. And so I like that whole thing. Like they they alluded to him being the second coming, but this is him standing up and saying, like, hey, you gotta get over that old nigga. Like that king is not here no more. Like I'm I'm the new king that's on my way. I'm finna take it over. And you're gonna forever be adrift. In this nation, and if you ever want your dreams and your shit to come true, like you got to move beyond the past and like step into the future with me. So I, I feel like the whole end of that arc was about like setting up just the future that's coming, and just alluding to uh, Say's power, his ability to command people and see like straight through stuff, and the erasure of. I would say the uneasiness that all like, cause it's clear that all these generals, all these main people, none of them really fucked with, uh, with Psy at all. And so it was going to be so much discontent. Like there were like three, no less than three wars. I think that were brewing within the kingdom just because Psy was the king. So already say is becoming that voice of unification to bring people together. And that one stuck out to me too. Like, if you start bringing these generals together, bro, it's gonna be nasty. Who can another, stop? Another thing that it also kind of is transitioning to is Oki's own history and what he's dealing with. Um, it's going to that's kind of the introduction of his character and also like his past because he has history with uh say uh say his advisor they go back they go way back but also it's key what he was talking about king show is gone if you ever want to follow your own dreams you have to let him go and set foot on the battlefield like once more so king show is uh say's grandfather he was uh he was known as like the god of war um so they gave they gave <clears throat> us the flashback yeah so you you get you get the uh you get some background on exactly who his his grandfather was and also kind of it starts to give you a little bit of background of who Oki is and why he's such an important figure. Um because you've seen he step he jumped down and stepped foot on a battlefield and everybody was shook. They was like, okay, what is he doing? Like whose side is he on? And then he, he the bird of war. He's gonna kill everybody. So, so then folks was like, Why did you lie about da da da? And, and you know, Oki like I, I do what the fuck I want. And dude tries to rush him and barefooted on the ground, he cuts dude in half. It's like, yeah, nah, like, don't don't ever try that again. Um, but it just gives you a glimpse of not only to his strength, but his own background. Because his background has become a focal point, not only in the story, but also in Shin's development. I'm wondering, I find myself wondering... Uh, we cool to fast forward a little bit. Yep. I find myself wondering what type of general is Shin going to be. So so far, types of generals that have been pointed out that could be, or that are where I am in the story. Um, you have 
uh, Goki, the general with the face paint that was on the opposite side of the way. Um, he's a tactician. Bro's about the action, and he he has battle tactics and follow through for everything. Um, you have. The other nigga that was with him, I forgot his name because he was pretty forgettable, but he was a strategist. Um, he had to he had to heal, but all he had was plans. Like he didn't have good tactics, he didn't have good um command, and as soon as like shit was going south, like that was pretty much it for him. So he was a strategist. Um you have Hecky, who's not a general, but they've alluded to like his I don't know what would you call it, like general type. Yeah, he's he's like a he's very fundamental. I think it's a will be the description for Hecky. Um, he's very much the we're gonna do it by the books. Rely on your training. You know how you maneuver, and we're gonna follow it by the book. So you kind of touched on a couple different things. So as far as like generals are concerned, there's like two different types. But there's also only like different. Two? There's only two types of generals, but Impossible. there's different. But there's also like what you touched on, like being a strategist. That's just like. So those people might be generals, but that's like their role in the in their in that particular army, if that makes sense. Um, so like there's strategists, there's people who are better at defense, there's people that are better at offense, there's uh, you know, it's. To boil it down, because as far as like actual like generals are concerned, well, let me put it like this. There's two different types of great generals, I guess would be a better description. Um, and then as far as like armies concerned, you know, there's strategists, there's uh people that attack, people that defend, yeah, I, I see I cavalry. see they got tacticians, they got all that. They, like they got tacticians, they got charismatic leaders, they have um faithful leaders, like undying faith and just like the cause they have. Instinctual leaders, which we just got into. Um, and then I would I would say, like, not only is, is Hecky like a I know he's not a general, but it's just hard for me to just imagine there's only two types of generals, like because they've shown so many types of people that exist in this world. So only two types make it to general. Great, great as general. far as great general under the heavens. There's like there's what Alki would describe as two different types. Now there's now there's different types of leaders, a different type of like, I guess you could say like you know different like I guess your position in like an army like if you're a strategist, um, if you're just one of the people that I believe in the cause, people are gonna follow me regardless. Like there's different leaders like that as far as uh, type of leaders of armies, but as far as like general like great generals, there's two types. Hmm. I did not know that. Okay. I was kind of... So the way my mind is tracking right now, what I'm reading into is that I'm seeing all these different types of leaderships. And so I'm thinking there's going to be 10 different paths to get to Great General. And the story will be about Shin defining his path and making the best of the tools that he has and his uniqueness to be a Great General on his path, whether that be um, charisma and leadership or... Um, you know, flat out brute raw strength, um, and instinct, or if it'd be like strategy and tactics. Mm. So that's that's how I was seeing it at first. But if there are only two types, are the two types just 
instinct and planners? Like, is that there's, what we're seeing in great generals? The in, and there's the instinctual type great generals, and then there's like the tactician type great generals. So there's generals who command their army based off tactics and schemes. Like, okay, I'm gonna move my army this way based off how you move. This is by the books. This is all right. If you move here, I'm gonna move here to counter you. I'm gonna attack here to pencil you like this. And then on the other side, as far as instinct goes, is this people that just feel the way the battle moves. Like, for instance, Duke Hyo, he's an instinctual type general. A lot of times, just doing shit, bro. So a lot of so so a lot of times when he's making moves, they're thinking like this doesn't make any sense. Like this defies tactics, and it's like no, because I saw this happen right here. I got a feeling that they're going to do this because they're going to do this. I'm going to put myself right here, and I'm going to send you over there, and make it work like that. And so it's not; it doesn't follow like by the books tactics and stuff like that. It's just a feeling. You respond to situations, and you just can see. It's like you have a feel for the battlefield. Like, I know something's happening over there, and it looks like they're going to get wiped out. Instead of me doing this, I just do this, do that, or I'm going to go myself, and I'm going to light a fire here, and it's going to inspire people. I just do shit by instinct. I don't do things by, this is the proper way to counter this formation. This is the proper way to counter that formation. I just do it based off feeling and instinct alone. That nigga was button mashing, bro. Nah, he wasn't button mashing. He was like, oh, he trips. I'm sending five million troops over there, bro, just because Buddy tripped. That's gonna change the whole wave of the war. Um, I fucked with it, and I feel like it was working for him. But also, I feel like Hubert's got in the way of the other two dudes because, like, I think the downfall of of the, I guess the both the strategy general and then the tactician great general. I think their downfall. But both of them was that they believed that their schemes were unbeatable. And so yep. rather than rather than um because then it, this also has me looking at myself, and then I want to I want to talk about us before we start to wrap up this episode, because I don't know how much time you got, but I'm I was trying to get us around an hour. Okay. Um has I has I looked at them and their hubris got in the way, I found myself thinking like bro, why don't you just, like, it's okay to make a change. Like, it's okay to move on the fly and be reactive to something so you can be proactive to the next thing. That's not a problem. But, like, they stuck with their their original tactics and schemes and just felt like he won't make it through or this thing won't happen or I don't have to adjust for what he's doing now. And I think their downfall was more hubris than anything because if you're that much of a tacticianist and a, and a, and a strategist, then you know if the final play ends up being you having to fight Duke, you can't stand against Duke. So you have to protect yourself from that outcome. And I don't feel like bro protected himself from that outcome. And then it's like, okay, now I'm just throwing myself at Duke in a fight. I know I will lose, but it's going to look good for TV, I guess. (laughs) I think a lot of it comes down to what you said, being hubris. And then people, I guess you. I guess this technically counts as huge. You people overestimating their own abilities. Um, people feeling like, okay, my tactics are my tactics are foolproof because I know how you counter this, and I can always maneuver to counter this way and that way. And they feel like because they can counter tactically, that they can't be they themselves can't be can't be countered based purely off of instinct and just being able to defy logic. Like your logic does not account for 
how well I can motivate and rouse the spirits of my men to bypass your defenses. Your logic does not account for my strength. You, your logic, a, a general, you would think that a normal person wouldn't be able to bypass this wall of troops, but my own strength exceeds your possible calculations. Like you couldn't imagine I'd be as you, strong as you I could. Am. Yeah. You couldn't, you, you miscalculated how strong I am and how strong I make my troops by leading from the front instead of just sending them out to do things. When I leave from the front, my troops become a pack of invincible warriors type shit. Like you can't account for that in your calculations. There's no, there's no numerical value that you can put to that. So when I just exceed your expectations, now you're like, okay, well, you destroyed my formations. If I retreat, you're going to only kill more of my troops. So instead, you know what? I'm going to end it here. No, you're not going to end it here. Because if you 1v1 me, I'm going to low diff you. And that's literally what happens. Like I'm warming you up. I'm getting, a, I, I'm understanding you through our class of blows and you disappoint me. You are not on my level. And now you're in pieces and the war is over with. Yeah, I, I think I, if it's me, I'm not letting myself end up in that final outcome, especially if I know and bro knew that it was no way he was going to be Duke. So, like, you have to do everything in your power not to end up there. And then it became an honor thing, too. So I'll be trying to I'm trying to understand, like, the whole honor thing. But at this point, it's like it was 50,000 of us and a thousand of them, bro. Jump these niggas. That let's get the too. fuck out of here. Like, let's go home. But. Um, I, I'm really enjoying the story so far. Uh, anything else you want to touch on in these first chapters? Just a couple questions on like characters. Okay. Like thus far outside of like Shin, what are your impressions of 10? What is your impressions of like Kyokai? Um, 10. I like 10 from the start. Um, I wouldn't say she is a top character for me. I was calling her she, and I thought it was a typo in the book when they kept calling her he. Um, so I wonder if Ten's going to be like the develop into like the bosomy, busty feminine character, and when Shin comes back from war, it's going to be like, oh shit, now we go together. Or if Ten is going to stay like a tomboy, like I'm curious about that as time goes on in the manga. But I saw her as a she. Um, I wouldn't say she's top three, but out of the characters I do know so far, I would say she's in my top five to top ten. Um, I like that she has the ambition to want to be better and she's driven. Although I'm not really sure what like her motivations are from right now. And I really want to know more about her background with the mountain people, because outside of the King, this is the only other female that I've really seen for mm. the mountain people. So it's got me wondering, like, is that just is that purposeful or is that just like what we've seen so far in the story? Um, and if it is purposeful, are they like the Gerudo clan from Zelda or some shit? Where like the Gerudos have one male born every so often and that person becomes the king to rule them all? And is it like the same way with women in this clan? Like they're born every so often and they become like the one to rule them all. I don't fucking know. Uh that may be too much of an exaggeration or imagination for something that's based on history. But she is the only the second woman that I've seen that I can note from the mountain people. So I'm wondering about her, like what her background is going to be. Mm, okay. What about Kyokai? Kokai. Who was Kokai? Uh, she um, was in the five man squad with Shin when they went to war. 
bandana on the head. Um, oh, so that is a girl. Bet I. Okay, I was going back and forth about about her. Now, um, I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. Um, once again, Zelda reference. It was giving me chic chic vibes from Zelda. Um, and whenever they be having a masked up like that, I'd be like, "Yo, this is a girl." But I'm kind of going back and forth. Um, clearly, very smart. Um, a very good tactician is able to see through kind of the BS around them and target in on exactly like the objective in front of them that has to be done for the next step to go well. Um, I do like that. Um, I think she makes a very good compliment to Shin, whereas um, I think she feels the void that uh, heal is it heal? Is that how you say it? His brother, yeah, yeah. I think she feels the void that heal left. Someone that can maintain a vision and like keep objectives, like keep things in step in place for Shin. And then Shin has a path to follow. I think he was going to really struggle making a path on his own. It's not that he doesn't have the ability to ask questions and learn things from other people. Um, he's very good at learning and developing and, and adapting. He's poor at long term strategy and the tactics to get there. And I think that Koke, Kyoke, Kyokai. Kokai, I think that Kokai feels that void and will be a very good compliment to Shin. I'm fucking with them so far. And we just saw them get off, semi get off. Um, they chopped down like eight people quick as fuck in a circle. So I know that she ain't no slouch. 100%. Strong women all around. Strong women all around. Let's go. That's three for three on women in the series. This is going to be decent so far. Who else? Um, <clears throat> your thoughts and opinions on Oki so far? Um, he cool so far. He seemed like the classic, like him character, like super strong, brawn. Um, I'm a chop through anything. He got to show a little bit of the wisdom in his Dagu Plains arc. Uh, so you got to see like the understanding of war and kind of like learn from his experience. Um, I'll say that you got to learn from his experience and see the world through his eyes. So I'm appreciative of that. Um, it's a cool character to watch and like see them do things, but I'm not really a fan of him yet. Not one of my faves. Uh, I think the thing that's bothering me about him is kind of his aloofness and him not committing to like where he's going to be or who he's going to be right now. And that's just strange to me because it would seem like a man of his prowess, his experience, his um, capability, and someone that has the opportunity to do whatever he wants um, should have some type of commitment. And maybe they just haven't revealed that to me in the story yet, but to just have him on kind of this wondering thing, and I may do something, I may not. Oh, I'm just going to come stand here. It's very passive to me, and it doesn't really line up with his character. So, like, he's not one of my faves right now. But I do like like the archetype as a like on a fundamental level. And last question is, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen next after what you read? Because you're currently reading like the King's background, right? I'm reading the King's backstory. Uh, okay. So first up, Shin needs to return home, and I think Shin has to go through like a reckoning period. Uh, I think it was cool that they brought Shin's past along to the war. So. You could see like what the vision of Shin was versus what 
the vision of Shin is now. I think it's also cool that they uh, reintroduced the funeral of um, Hio to the story. So you can know that like Shin missed it and you can tell that he's like on this positive upbeat. Like I'm focused on getting this goal and then I'll go back. So that's giving me like a new like determination and path for Shin. I think he still needs to go home and reflect on what this means. And I think the realization that he's having at the end of this war is that I won't get there on just strength. And I've been lucky so far to make it through some of these situations. So I think he's going to start needing to think, uh, what does the future look like for me? And how do I like get to that goal um, in a good way? But he's got good people around him. Once again, he has the Kokoi and um, Tin and other people like associated with him that I think will help him get on a good path. So I think that's one for Shin. Uh, two for the King. Uh, the King actually has to get stronger too. Like they painted him like he had things together and he knew what the fuck he was. But the King has a lot to learn about politics and still has things to learn about the castle. Like he was able to like navigate and figure out the castle, but he's not from that world. Like let's not confuse that and act like, Yes, he may be accepted by the people, and yes, he'll be accepted by like generals because he's about that life and he wants to fight and he'll go to war. But there's a whole nother aspect that we got introduced through the politics of things. It's like the money and the the power, and how do you like work with the underbelly in a way that doesn't like compromise his path? And so I think those are things that the king has to work on. I think he also has to work on like who he's gonna open up to and who's going to be his um, his trusted people. Like, he has to grow his trusted circle, too. And I think that's going to be difficult for him as well. Cool. Especially considering the betrayal that he started the story with is my feeling right now. Um, yeah. I think that's what I feel about Shannon and them. I don't know. And then things that I, like, I feel from the story. I don't know that I care to see Shin go into another war encounter right away. I think I care to see more of the King's development. And I would care to see... Um, I would care to see more of the King's development and they use that as a war world-building tactic for maybe like a couple chapters. Not many. Maybe like 10 to 20. Somewhere in that range. Hmm. Cause they they just expanded the world through his um through his backstory, so we're starting to get the maps of like the neighboring states and like who they war with. So I would like to see like the king's backstory kind of expand the world just a little bit more, more context. That's where I'm at. Am I dead wrong? Am I right? Am I kind of right? I don't know. You don't want to tell me, so um, I'll find out. You definitely are gonna find out. Put it like this. There's nothing really in this story that you will have to infer for very long. They they do a really good job of not only fleshing out the character development, the growth, but also giving everybody going through what they need to personally go through to progress because everybody's path isn't the same. And even when it comes to, like you mentioned, Oki, like you don't know about his character thus far because he kind of seems like he's just wandering. He's on the fence. Very next arc, you get his background and you see what the things he's dealing with and where he's going to go and what he decides to do and so on and so forth. Um, and <clears throat> same thing with the king. The king is going to have development through an entire story. He 
he probably has as much development as Shin the MC, honestly. Um, yeah. Same thing with Ten to a lesser degree. She has to be on her own path. Kyokai, a ton of development as well. Um, everybody very much has their own path and their own goals. Um, with Shin kind of being in the center of it. Um, but every single person that you named, you're going to have your questions answered about them. I hope that they don't handle all these characters as a product of war. Um, they handle like the, the two generals when we learned a little bit about them. Both of them came from war, war, warring states and were built in that. And then the one general had his entire like village or family, just everyone wiped out around him. And so his whole thing and why he fought against Duke the way he fought against Duke was that he never wanted to be seized again. Like invaders would never take every, everything from him again. So I hope that everyone is not an absolute product of war and like pain. I hope that some people are products of empathy, um, which indirectly is a product of war, but like they saw the war and they saw the things that were happening and was like, no, this is wrong. Like I have to step in and become a machine of war and death if I want to ever like make change and do things right. Because that's the system by which things are solved in this world. So I'm just praying that everything isn't an output of war. Some things are like indirectly influenced because it's the system of the world. But yeah, I would like to see some people like join in for empathy, uh, to join in for, I don't know, legacy. Because we already got people that's a part of it just because they want the they want the valor. Shit, Shin is one. Like, I just want to have the accolades and I want a crib. For now. Yeah, I want to eat good every night. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to adopt the vision later on of unified China and all that shit and drink the Kool-Aid. But I like that he's like um, on his dingy time right now. Like, I just want some titties and some food in the crib, bro. I don't care about all that shit. Like, and I'm going to kill whoever I got to kill to get there. We finna go to war. Be strong. I think the thing about war, especially in this story, is it forces people to evolve their belief system in this story. Um. For some people, I need to, my goal is in this particular country, so we're going to war with them, so this is a good opportunity for me to get there. For some people, oh, they conscripted an army, so we had to come. For some people, I just want to follow this person. I believe in this person. I want to be around this person. And for some people, glory because of who my parents are, because of you know I'm part of this family, so on and so forth. Everybody has their own reasons, and war forces them to evolve their beliefs. All right. Last thing, I wrote down some categories that stood out to me. Um, I've been talking about them throughout this whole episode. We finna rate ourselves as if we was generals. Will we be in these categories? Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yep. First one is strategic brilliance. Um, this is when you demonstrate exceptional intelligence in the planning and execution of your military campaigns. So we rate ourselves one through ten. Yeah, let's do one through ten. Okay, uh, uh, one through ten are strategic. I would say I'm probably at a seven and a half. For strategic strategic brilliance, I'm gonna go with a nine and a half for me. I think that fits. The second one is tactical prowess. 
tactical prowess um, is how you employ your tactics, formations, maneuvers. So it's basically like, do you know how to move the players on the field and like where to put them to deliver on that first one, the strategic part. For tactical prowess, I'll go first. I think I would rate myself like a seven in this category. Sometimes a six and a half, depending on the day. Tactical prowess. I would say I'm better at that than the strategical side. I would say I'm a nine at that. That fits for you. That tracks for you. I'm happy that you rated yourself high in that category. I was going to be upset if you went low. Um. All right. Category number three, leadership. And I combine leadership and charisma, but as we're having this conversation, I'm kind of thinking they should be separate. I think they are separate. So let's do... Let's do leadership first and let's do charisma second. So leadership, you under you understand what leadership is. Yeah. For me, it's so leadership is tough for me. I've always been a person that's had to be in the leadership role when it comes to the group and stuff, even though I'd much rather chill, but I can function highly in the leadership role. So I would say probably a six and a half or a seven because it's not my preference but if i need to then yes if you would have asked me two years ago i probably gave myself a six in leadership because i never want to be the leader like i hate that shit bro i just i like i want to chill bro i want to be about the vibes but nobody ever lets me be out be about the vibes and this past year of my life has been me like stepping into that so I'm bumping myself up to an eight right now for leadership is where I think I stand on the scale. I think I'll, get you nine. I'll get you nine and a half. I think I'm getting better every day, but I, I see myself as an eight. I, I have a lot of things to work on that I see in my life. Um, I've and this and I'm gonna rank myself really high in this next category, um, charisma, because most of my life I've been able to lead with influence. Like I haven't had to lead with like, or I I, I try to tend to like stay away from leading with authority and other shit. I just lead by influence. Like I think this would be a good idea or this is the example, things like that. But I'm working on authoritative leadership right now um, in my day-to-day job. So I'm giving myself an eight on a leadership scale. But moving on to charisma, I give myself like a nine in charisma. And I define charisma as uh, the ability to inspire and command uh, ability from uh, loyalty and action from those you lead. So I'd probably give myself like a a nine in charisma. But I think I'm like an eight in leadership. <clears throat> I think charisma is my greatest uh, aspect where I can improve in. Because I'm much more of a just watch what I do and do what I do. Just like follow me. That's, like that's all. Like I've never, even like playing sports, I've never been the vocal leader. I'm just... Just watch me. Just follow. Just just follow behind me. That's all you need to do is follow me. That's it. So as far I think as charisma, that's a form, I think that's a form of charisma. You don't think that's a form of charisma? Uh, I think in some ways it is, but for me, charisma like being able to inspire people. Um, I mean, it is in some. It's it may not necessarily be a speech, but to be able to like uh, elicit an emotional response. Um. I feel like I have a lot of work to do in that area. So I would personally give myself like a five. Okay. 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 Um, 
the next category I have is adaptability and flexibility. I've combined those into one thing. Um, it's how you adjust to what's happening to you in the world and how you evolve through situations to get the outcomes that you want. Adaptability and flexibility. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like I have always been able to adapt, but I feel like the thriving part of adaptation is something that I don't flourish in. I feel like no matter what the situation, I always come out of it uh, where I need to be, but I might not be unscathed or I might not be exactly how I want it to be. Um, flexibility. I'm pretty flexible. I can, uh, if, if there's roles that need to be done, I'm pretty flexible being able to do it. I just specialize in some things more than others. Um, but even when I feel like even when situations where I'm, I guess I'd be uncomfortable, I don't have a problem dealing with it. So adaptability and flexibility, I probably go somewhere between a 6.5 to a 7.5, somewhere in that range. Mm, adaptability and flexibility, those come with my job, and that's been something I've been good at my whole life. Um, I'm putting myself in like a nine and a half to a 10 range for those. Those are things I've always been good at. And uh, yeah, and I, and I don't know, to your point, I don't know that I feel like adaptability and flexibility means that you come out unscathed. Uh, what I do think that adaptability and flexibility means that you take a hit, like you might get shot or you might take that L, but you know how to like, you're able to pivot and, and accept like the things that happen and you're able to be flexible about, okay, like the goalpost is moving. So I need to change like my tactics and adapt if I still want to hit that. And you're flexible enough to make those changes in real time and still get there. So I, what I argue with a lot of people, and we talk about this like in professional spaces too, is that if you can do that and still come out the other end and like meet your goal, even if that goal is like kind of changed, like maybe the goal is to make the iPhone and we didn't make an iPhone, but we made like a smartphone or something. If you're still able to come out and hit the goal and you hit on like the check marks, even, even if it's not the first perfect vision in your head, I think you've still shown a great deal of adaptability and flexibility to still get there amongst all the L's. And a lot of people don't have that ability. Like they'll take that first L and instead of making a phone, they would just like make t-shirts instead. Hmm. So we argue about that, like what's the real, like what's the real outcome of adaptability and flexibility? Um, but shit, a win is a win. You heard that shit in Kingdom. True, very true. It ain't about blowing them out every time. Uh, next category: courage, or no? I scratch out courage. Um, personal valor, and this is leaders who lead from the front. Um, and the courage to lead from the front, but I made courage like an aspect of personal valor. So personal valor. You're Naruto. Interesting. Because when it comes to like, specifically like in the context of kingdom, I would absolutely be in the front. Um, But my more natural position would be in the back overseeing like okay move these people here let's move that people like attack here that would be my more natural position um but i'm not ever running away um yeah. 
and I have no problem. Like, if, and I'm the type of person where if things are going bad right here on this front, give me my sword, give me my horse. I'm about to go fix it myself. Um, so courage and valor. I would honestly say like an eight and a half or a nine. Okay. I rated myself lower in this category. So originally I had, um, when I thought, when I had courage, I'm very courageous. Like I love the unknown. I want to take adventures. I want to do things that I haven't done before. Like I just want to jump off into the void and see what's out there. Um, but then as I read Ford and kingdom, started to be more of like a personal valor thing. Like it seemed like a lot of these men were courageous and brave, but personal valor seemed to be something that stood out as far as like some leaders want to be in the front and, and they want to be in the front for like their own accolades. And so um, with that frame of thinking, not saying that the way you took it is wrong. I'm just expressing that I thought about that differently. Uh, with that frame of thinking, I rated myself like a five in personal valor because um, I really don't care about having all the accolades at the end of the day. Like if someone on my team or someone in my army, in the case of this example, if they them and we got a tactic that puts them at the forefront, then shit, I'm OK with letting them shine and like getting a W, like getting it done. If they're the person to get it done, like I don't have to be the person that's doing the kill shot all the time. Uh so I kind of gave my five from that way of thinking. If I looked at it from your way of thinking, I probably would have rated myself like a, a eight and a half, a nine, because I love being in the moment and I love uh, competition, which I don't know if niggas is looking at war like competition. They look at it like passion. So, yeah, they absolutely they absolutely are looking at it like, <laughs> it's yeah. about to, like once they introduce these other two characters, that is all that is going to be between them is co competing against each other. So yeah, um, some niggas are like looking at it like competition. So I think like from that standpoint, I probably rated myself high, higher like yourself, and I would have seen myself like in that eight and a half, nine range because I'm definitely competitive. And if I got to be out there for us to win, I'm gonna be out there. Uh, this next category was a hard one for me. Um, I have empathy, and so empathy is a hard one for me. Because I think empathy comes in two parts, right? Is is being empathetic, which is like you're able to feel what other people are feeling and like have that connection with them. But then I think like empathy is also an aspect of it is like the execution on those feelings. Like how do you take care of those around you? And I think that requires understanding. And that's what I struggle with sometimes is the understanding aspect of it. Like I've been through so much in my life that when people are going through things, like I feel empathetic. I'm like, yeah, man, that shit hard. Like I feel for you, bro. I hate that that happened to you. But then when they saying like, well, I'm taking all these L's and I just can't do it. I lack understanding. Cause I'll be like, nah, you can still do that shit. And it's hard for me as a person that survived things or lived through things or like been through a lot to like, sometimes it seems like excuses. Like, what you mean, like, that's going to stop you? You finna let that thing stop you or get in your way? So I struggle with the understanding aspect of things at times. And I really be needing to reflect and, like, meditate on that. And it's something that I that I be working on now, but um, I'm not the greatest of it. So if I had to rank empathy on its own, I would say I'd be feeling, and I would give myself, like, a nine for that. But if I had to rank understanding, I would say I'm, like, a four and a half, five for that. 
And so for both of those together, I'm going to just put myself in the middle at like a six, a six and a half. Like I'm going to work in a progress there. That's interesting because I feel like I'm the exact opposite. Like I under I understand like why people feel the way they feel about things. Um, and I get it. Like even the things that especially the things that I've never been through. But I can understand. I tried my best to understand how someone would feel about it, to imagine it. And on the other side, as far as like just empathizing, like, yeah, y'all know what's going on. But I'm also, and I feel like a lot of men are like this. I'm very much more solution based. It's like, okay, so this is happening. You should do this. And sometimes people don't want the answer. They want you to just feel for them. And that's some things I struggle with sometimes. And especially because of the reason you name, because you people that have been through things and survived through things. A lot of times when we hear people going with things that a lot of times we might feel are lesser or not as difficult. We're like, come on, man. Like, yeah, you OK, this is happening, but it could be so much worse. Like I've had to deal with so much worse. And I feel like a lot of times that we hit, that makes us disconnect from people a lot because it's like, dude, like you, I get it. Like, you know, she's she's going bad right now. It could be so much worse. Like, look at the grand scheme of things. Like, you have a way to do this. It might not happen when we want, but you have a way to do this. Da, 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 da. So it's like, okay, just get to it. And it's like, yeah, but everybody don't handle things the same way. Everybody don't process things the same way. Everybody don't grieve the same way. And that's one thing that I've had to come to understand as I got older. That and just having more patience with people. Um, so when it comes to the understanding I would give myself like a nine and a half, a 10. But when it comes to the empathization part of it, I'm probably, I need work. So I'm probably like a five or a six. So in the middle, like a seven and a half, maybe an eight. I think we, um, we crisscross how we view those different words, I think. Cause I, and we might have to have this talk when we have more time on like a later podcast, but I like empathy for me is like, me empathizing with the people around me. Like if I make this decision or if I do this thing, or if this thing has happened to them, this is how they would feel. And I empathize. Like I know that feeling I can put myself in their shoes. So, and I, it sounds like that's what you're explaining for understanding rather than empathy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've like, our definitions for those two words are like crisscrossed. Mm, in a way. Okay. It's like that that's how I think of empathy. Like I can empathize and put myself in your shoes. Like I can feel what I what you will possibly feel and, and see that. Um it's the outcome of that, like the human element part of that, where we're all individuals. It's the outcome of that that I struggle with, like the understanding. Um, but you see that has the empathy part. Um, so like for me, it's the understanding part, but for you, it's you see that as the empathy part. It's the outcome where we're all individuals. And so whereas like A, B, and C have responded this way, and I look at that like that's the outcome you should have, D, E, and F are different individuals and they've responded in a different way. And then I lack understanding. Like why would that be your response? And I think I said that on AD one time. Like some people just, they seem so mentally weak in situations to me where it's like, why did you let this this thing upend you? Like out of all the things that could have like changed you, this was the response you had to this. And they, and I struggle with that understanding sometimes. Like I really be having to go sit down and like meditate and reflect 
and spend like days on it sometimes. Just like, you know, you gotta you gotta let that go. Like you can't you can't you can't dictate the path that people would choose and you can't judge or look down on people for the path that they choose. Um and so to like push that out in my heart and out of my spirit, like I'll be having to work on that shit. Mm-hmm. Um the last category I have mental okay. fortitude mental fortitude. Um, I guess to give you a definition of what I wrote down, um, how do you withstand your setbacks and how do you maintain maintain your composure under pressure and um continue to walk in adversity? Mental fortitude. That's interesting because my general view of stuff, like when stuff happens to me, I do very much feel like, damn, like sometimes I'd be feeling like, damn, the fucking world is against me. Like shit. Like why does all these things compounding upon each other and all happen to me? And sometimes I feel like this only happening to me. And the fact of the matter is it's not. And I quickly transition from that to, okay, shit is fucked up. How you going to deal with it? How you going to respond? You've been through this before, or you've been through worse before. Sure, you'll be just fine. Uh, and at the end of the day, quitting or giving up is not an option. So you figure it out. So uh, just looking at it from that aspect, I put myself at like a nine. I think for mental fortitude, and the reason it's the last one on my list, um, I think it's an aspect of everything that we named before. Like I think none of these things happen. Um, in life and in pressure situations without someone being mentally fortuitous. So that's one of the more important ones to me. As far as mental fortitude, I would feel like depending on the season, because I will say in the wintertime, bro, I'll be in hibernation mode and I really don't want to deal with shit. So in the wintertime, I'm probably at my weakest, like mentally, because really my my brain is not in that space. Like I'm trying to reset and build a new for the spring and the remaining nine months of the year, like when I go around. So in winter months, like December through February, I would say I'm normally hovering around like an eight and a half as far as like mental fortitude. But for the rest of the month of the years, uh, for the rest of the months of the year, I'll be locked in, bro. Like, if it's something I've decided that I'm going to do, like, I'm pivoting, I'm fighting adversity, I'm going through it, and I'm going to be fine. I'll put myself at, like, a nine and a half to a ten, depending on, like, how charged up I am for the rest of the year. But right now, even now, like, I've been in, like, a a slick eight, an eight and a half. Like, shit be hitting me, and I can feel the difference in myself. Like, I can see it. I just, it'd be small things, and I'd be like, I ain't got space for it. I don't want to do it. Fuck it. That's not like me, but it's how it be. Okay. I feel like, I like everybody that. is with that in some aspects, though. So, Well, like up and down mental fortitude? Yeah. For sure. Or depending on what exactly it is that adversity is coming from. Like if it's coming from like relationships aspect, if you're coming from monetary aspect, is it coming from a career aspect? Like I feel like these different things 
some things affect you differently than others. Um, yeah. Because I know me personally, like the the more personal relationships with people weighs on me more heavy than stuff like at work or buying stuff or anything like that. Like to me, the, the, the relationships with people are the things that weigh on me more heavily. So if something like is struggling in that side of my life, then it's going to my mental fortitude will be it'll affect other areas of my life where it's like, if this is getting me down, I don't even want to deal with anything else because I'm not going to be able to function properly. Personal areas do. I mean, personal relationships do fuck with me uh, heavy. Uh, but I still be feeling like I'll be fighting through. I think everyone does deal with it. I I believe that some people are just blessed to have um, cadences that don't show as much as others. So, like, for me, I got, like, a legit three to four months where, like, it's just the winter months and my body just being hibernation. Like, it's I'm just at my 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 narrowest band of what I can and will deal with for those months. But then for the rest of the year, I'm fine. But then I think about a friend of mine and they're up and down a lot, but because of the cadence, like they're up a week, down a week, up a week, down a week. It doesn't really show as bad. Like it's not like they had, like they might take, um, if that's half a year, let's say like six months, if it's every other week, then that means half the year, six months out the year, they're down they're not at their mentally best but since it's happening every other week like you don't notice it in the same way and it feels like they're much more consistent and up more often at the time so i think some people just have like a better cadence of what their ups and downs are um but i also think it depends on your life because whereas like if you work in like a i don't know like if you're in war for three years since we're talking about kingdom then i think i would prefer to be the person that's up a week down a week up a week down a week um then have to be the person that's down for four months consistently. Just my thoughts. That makes sense. <clears throat> All right, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that little ranking. That was all I had for this episode, bro. I am really enjoying Kingdom. I'm glad that you got me into it. Um, I am excited to see what comes from it. Uh, I'm upset that not upset. I like the king more than I like Shin. And so I guess there's more to come from Shin. Um, but the way that you talk about Shin and the way that my homeboy talks about Shin, I thought that he was gonna be like an absolute like I'm I'm smitten with this character in every single way from very early in the story. And yes, he is him. Like I can acknowledge that he's a dope character, but I don't feel like he's that yet. Like, he hasn't captured my heart yet. I'm pretty sure that's to come, because I don't think I even recognized that you were, like, going crazy for Kingdom until you was, like, 200. Nah, nah. Yeah, it, it was. It probably took me a couple hundred chapters, and it yeah. was more so the arcs of what made me, like, nah, this is, like, the greatest shit ever. And then after, like, in the midst of the arc, seeing his development, and even, like, to this day, like, just how he's grown... <laughs> <laughs> like how he's grown, and it's like, nah, this dude is a fucking goat. Like this is insane. Like the way that the way his character has grown, and for it to feel natural, and it for it to make sense is insane. Well, we're gonna see what that means for me. Um, hopefully, by the next time we do an episode, I have I'll probably be around chapter two hundred with any luck. 
We want to do. We don't want to do this every week, do we? No, we don't have to do it every week. I think it's better to actually let some of the chapters build up because sometimes if you do it every week, you won't. You'll be in the middle of an arc. Okay, so I think I think I'm gonna try to get around chapter 200, see where I am and whatever arc that is, and then we can run another Kingdom episode back. FYI, we got we got Rome reading Kingdom now. And then Cuzzo hit me up. Frankie hit me up and said that he gonna start reading Kingdom so he can hop on these episodes too. So like now you got niggas just hopping on the train. Love it. This is definitely certain arcs and certain moments that I will I want to see y'all reactions to it because like it's a lot in Kingdom that I feel like is the best in certain areas that I've ever read. Maybe I can get Glove to get on the Kingdom <coughs> wave too. And then we can do episodes and like review a new One Piece chapter and knock out a kingdom review at the same time. Not definitely with that. Definitely yeah, with that. Maybe we can knock that shit out. But 100%, man. You got any last comments before we get out of here? Let's wrap this up. We uh, hour and a half. Last comments. Read Kingdom. Stop making excuses. If you can read multiple things at once, you can read Kingdom. Um, I will say avoid the anime. I know they still make it, which is kind of weird to me because it looks so bad. So I'm wondering if it improves at some point. But read Kingdom. There's an anime um, for Kingdom? There's an anime for Kingdom. Um, oh. Several seasons of it, but it just doesn't look good. I think it's like CGI type animation. So it's, it's, Like, like yeah. Berserk CGI? or like I think so. Yeah, that's how it looks to me. But it's that's why I always tell people to read it. But um, yeah, man, read Kingdom. It has some of the best characters I've ever read, some of the best arcs I've ever read, some of the best moments I've ever read. Definitely worth the experience. All right. Um, I don't really have any much of anything to add. Uh, I will say I'm getting ready to check out Scavenger's Reign on HBO Max. Or is it, it's just Max now. On Max. Uh, Rome put that one on my radar. And I have been looking at it on my queue, on my For You or whatever you call it. But Rome said I'm really enjoy it. He did recommend that I that I light up when I watch it. So I will probably do that. Um and check out Scavengers Rain, see how that goes. The trailer looks very artistic and looks super trippy. And like uh I'm excited for that one. And uh other than that, y'all make sure y'all check out Anime After Dark. We do anime after dark uh on Thursdays, 8:30 p.m. CST. And if y'all haven't already, join the AD Discord and follow us on x.com um, at Worship Pod. I think that's everything. Once again, subscribe to this episode on YouTube and like and comment on the podcast episode on your favorite podcast app. It's been a while since I had to do this outro, as y'all can tell. <laughs> um, other than that, man, if y'all are reading Kingdom, and y'all want to talk about Kingdom, hit leak on the pod page, at me. Um, let us know what the fuck is going on so we can talk some Kingdom as I go forward. If the shit is looking good, maybe we make a little book club for it in the AD Discord or something, make a community book club or some shit. I don't know. That leak wants to participate in that. Or we might just take y'all comments and, and add them to the episodes so we talk about Kingdom as I go through this journey. Whatever we decide in the future, um, I hope that y'all reach out if you're into Kingdom. I'm looking forward to building a new community because I've never even seen the Kingdom community like that. Does it have a fandom? It does have a it does have a fandom. Very small though because everybody doesn't choose to read it because it's like, it's it's definitely one of them things that you should read it and not watch it. So Mm -hmm. people that do read it, everybody fucks with it but it's not a whole lot of people that take the time to read it. 
I bet. So, yeah. Y'all heard it here first. Uh, fuck with us. We will see y'all on further episodes of the Worst Gen Pod. Um, that is it. And until next time, we out. Yeah.